So Connected, the podcast for people trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to be talking about our intentions for 2022. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My high is that I definitely feel like we've made a great decision by spending Christmas Day together as just a family of four. We have done that before when we were traveling, but not at home. And so it just felt really purposeful and and really great. I feel like it's a like slightly half-baked. There's still some like traditions that I'm wanting to sort of like flesh out, but I love the sort of opportunity to really just have that day to ourselves and to really celebrate the girls. The girls are like just at such a fun age for Christmas. So we just really, really enjoyed um, Christmas. That sounds lovely. That sounds so opposite of what our experience was like. Our kids had opened all their presents already. So they didn't they didn't even really know that it was Christmas. And we went to the movies and ate dinner at the movie theater. Oh. So it was very like non-Christmassy, yeah. but it was still yeah. fun in its own way. But that sounds lovely. And I'm glad that you all are carving that out for yourselves. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad you still had a good day, even though it wasn't the traditional um things. And then my low right now is that the on the 24th on Christmas Eve day, we had a family over and their daughter fell off of our bunk bed and got a concussion. And so it just, it was really sad. She had like had to go to the ER. Like it was really sad and horrible for their family and for especially to happen like right on Christmas Eve. And then she had to, they had to like change their Christmas plans. And so it was extremely unfortunate. I feel really bad that that happened at our house, like semi under our um, observation, under our supervision, but she's okay. Luckily, she's okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Poor thing. So what are your highs and lows right now, Sarah? My high is that I feel like I had a really relaxed and purposeful and joyful and connected holiday. And you and I had kind of talked a couple months back about what kind of fall and winter we wanted to have. And I feel like I've done such a good job of keeping up my exercise routine, even though I still hate it. Um, And so that's my high is that it's really all like clicking into place and feeling really good. But my low is connected to this, which is just like, I'm still reflecting on how much work it takes to kind of have the life that I want to have. And it doesn't feel like it should take so much work. And so I'm really trying to unpack that. I have two theories that come to the top of my mind. One is I can blame myself or two, I can blame the world. So if I blame myself, it's connected to like my window of tolerance and how I still have this very narrow window of tolerance, which means it kind of takes a lot of work and a lot of like manipulation and a lot of like, you know, control to like get everything to fit within that narrow window. So that's one theory. My other theory is that modern society has just changed so much and like the demands that we place on ourselves as women with this idea that we can have it all. We're trying to balance work and motherhood and then these impossibly high standards of motherhood uh, that are compounded by the fact that it's often like contradictory advice that we get as mothers. And as I kind of say these both things, I think it's I think it's an and. I don't think it's an either or. I think both of these things play into it. Uh, but I'm just trying to reflect on that and trying to figure out ways in which I can still have this very purposeful and joyful and connected life without it feeling like so much work. That, like, I feel like I almost could have said that. Like, I also definitely feel like it's a both and, and I just totally 
can relate to what you're sharing there. And I think the thing that's also just striking for me about that kind of dichotomy and like just like that reality about the world is that like I didn't know that before I had kids. The seven years years ago me version like thought like, oh, it's all going to be perfectly fine to maintain like joy and purpose and community and all of these like a billion things I want to do and parent and work full time. And so the way in which that feels like it's kind of like hit me like a train a little bit has been really startling. So I just totally relate to what you're sharing. Yeah, I I kind of feel let down by feminism in a way. Like I grew up focusing on gender studies and minored in gender studies in college and was a huge feminist. And I feel like you can't you can't have it all. No one person can have it all. And I think feminism in my generation was about having it all instead of just having the choice to pick out the things that you want to pick. And I'm just kind of like having a a reckoning with that right now because I don't – I'm not someone who likes to cross things off of a list. I want to have the list very full. So we should do a whole other episode about this. All right. Well, now let's talk about today's topic. 2022, ready or not, here we come. This is our second annual goal-setting conversation because this process is really important to both of us as we seek to build lives of purpose, joy, and community. So it's definitely something, listeners, that you can expect at the top of every year on this podcast. So hopefully uh, you'll enjoy this conversation. Let's go ahead and get started. Catherine, what was your process for setting your intentions this year? So I started, as I always do, by revisiting um, the last year, which we talked about a lot um, in our last episode, so people can go listen to that if they haven't heard it yet. And then when I started focusing on 2022, I created – I went back to the sort of like who I want to be list of intentions from last year because that really worked well for me. And I started a brainstorm list kind of for this year. And the list of things that I ended up with were actually very similar to last year. But I feel like I feel like I almost took what I had done in previous years and what I took what I did in last year and kind of like combined them this year. So then after I had the list of who I want to be, I outlined sort of action steps related to them, which I did last time too, but not as clearly. And then I also had like as measured by indicators. So I had like kind of a framework for how I know how I know I'm gonna have met the action steps. So it just got way more detailed than it was last year. And so kind of once I had that, like the the being part and then the plan of action part, I talked to Nathan about some of the ideas. And it was interesting because as I talked to him, it was way more focused back on the actionable stuff, stuff like trips we wanted to go on or savings, financial goals, um, projects we want to do around the house, which is like very common for us in our goals conversation, but wasn't as much of a focus last year and doesn't feel as important to me this year as it has in past years. So that was really interesting to notice in my process. Um, But after I had that conversation and kind of got some feedback on some things, then I wrote out um, sort of a narrative of what I hope to be able to say at the end of the year based on a question you had asked. I loved adding that to my process. And then um, once I had all of that kind of outlined of what I was wanting to do and articulated, I went back and looked at the way I the tracking system I had for the last I used last year, and I made some updates to that, including changing my planner for the first time in like seven years. So it's been quite a process. 
I love that. And I love how you really do connect it to your previous reflections. I was just kind of going through some memorabilia in my garage and came across like a binder that had a lot of my previous reflections. Like I used to do a sort of report card thing about my life and I do like a vision collage and like I found those from like 2007. And so I really feel like I should, based on what I hear you doing, I feel like I should do more of kind of using that one binder to collect sort of my process, my reflection process from each year so that it's more at my fingertips when I go to do that process. I think it would be helpful to compare it year over year. I love that idea. I have, we have like a little notebook where we write just like the highest level goals in every year. And I think, I think the first one was 2006. So we've been doing that for quite a few years in the same notebook. And I really like having that all together, even though it is just kind of like the highest level, but a binder sounds amazing because it could add more details into that than just the high level goals. So what about you, Sarah? What was your process like this year? I did the same thing I always do, which is start the process really early. I remember you kind of making fun of me a little (laughs) bit about this last year. Not really making fun of me, but definitely asking questions about it. I, I start like in November. Like I like to be really generative with this process. Like I like to start making really long lists and giving myself time to kind of try them on for size and to evaluate each of the things on the list in relation to the others. Um, I've been working a lot on making more reasonable, like making a more reasonable set of goals. So I like to make a really long list because like my heart loves making long lists. Yep. And now I've like built it, brought in this like discipline of like how do you cull it down to the things that matter the most. Um, and having to say no to certain things kind of imbues the yes things like with more weight and more commitment, I think also start having conversations with Matt and the boys since we have overlapping lives and I'm trying to help our family feel more like a democratic process. They aren't really into this process like I am, so I have to kind of keep my conversations with them more casual and low-key, which also helps to start early because it means I can kind of find moments as they occur naturally. And then once I have my long list of ideas, I start to look for coherence and connectedness among them to see if I can kind of weave them into a cohesive narrative. And it helps me to start to write a draft in my journal, like a narrative of what I want to be able to say about my year. And then my final step is to take my yearly vision and then break it down into monthly, like smaller steps that are going to help me get there. Um, So that way I can... um, kind of achieve these bigger things because I have these smaller, more manageable steps along the way. And one thing that I noticed about myself this year was it kind of felt like I was putting my true self in a cage by making myself be so meticulous about like culling the list down. And so just this last weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do a 31-day purge challenge of my house and like get it all like minimalized and in order. And I want to read three Marie Kondo books. And and this is like nowhere in my intentions whatsoever. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put this major priority, this major priority. I'm just going to do it. 
Um, so I spent like several hours like mapping out what my 31 day process was going to be. So it's kind of funny to see myself like bucking against these like reins I'm trying to put on myself. Yeah. I love that. Maybe it's a it's a growth, um, a growing edge for you to be able to, you know, not need quite as much order. Because I think the thing that like I love, I actually love your process of like starting with the long list and then like having all this time to like really sit with what feels right and kind of like, it just seems like a lot of synergy would come out of that sort of finding the connected pieces part of it. But I do wonder about like, for me to try to have like, to break it down into monthly intentions at the beginning of the year, I feel like I would have such a hard time doing that. I might, so I'm, I'm curious to hear you say more about what that looks like. I think it's connected to the being versus doing, which we've identified as a key difference in how we approach this process. So I like set a really big like doing goal of like something I want to write a book about menopause. Well, then it's like, well, mm-hmm. where, when am I going to have the outline done? When am I going to have this done? And so then I can backwards plan it. It's much easier because it's not a being goal. It's a doing goal. Ah, uh, yeah. You're breaking up into chunks. That makes sense. Thanks for sharing. All right, Catherine, what is your theme for 2022 and what do you want to be able to say by the end of the year? And I pushed us to actually like read a narrative description. Yeah, I, I loved adding that to my um, goal planning process. So thank you for encouraging that process. So the word that has kept coming up for me over the last few months as I've thought about a word for 2022 is listen, which... I'm like, what am I listening to? And how? who am I listening to? And what am I listening for? And so as I've kind of like sat with that and like really tried to ground myself in that, it feels like it's not just listening, but it's also growing in my ability to listen. So here's kind of what I wrote. This year, I paused to listen to myself in order to continue the journey towards personal wholeness. I became better able to identify and prioritize things that bring me delight to honor my body, and to set aside time for rest, reflection, and restoration. This year, I paused to listen to people in my life that matter the most to me. I loved Nathan well, provided security and nurturance for my children, grew the number of and quality of my closest friendships, and maintained the necessary boundaries to make this possible. This year, I paused to listen to individuals whose voices are not heard on the main stage. I listened to the stories of people from diverse backgrounds, made mindful choices as a consumer of media, entertainment, and goods, worked to improve equity in education, and was an ally for vulnerable children. This year, I paused to become a better listener through study, practice, and inner work. I deepened my ability to walk alongside people, communities, and myself in more intentional ways. I love that so much. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so it's all about listening myself, people in my lives, communities, and then also about becoming a better listener. One idea that came to my mind as I was listening to you read that too was like, I know you have such a commitment to personal growth and to like listening to teachers as you're like on this journey for personal growth. That kind of came to my mind too. Yes. So that's why I had like this bigger kind of picture of the intentions. And then when I started getting into like the actionable steps for each of those sort of categories, and then how I'm going to measure it was like the number of classes that I take that will deepen my ability to do this or the number of relationships that I intentionally invest time in. So it became very like measurable by the time I was done, which feels really good to me. So yeah, it's been a good process. 
So what about you, Sarah? What's your theme for this coming year? And what do you want to be able to say at the end of the year? My theme is soak it in, which sounds really cheesy, but it's the first thing that came to my mind and it really stuck with me um, because this is the golden, okay, here's my narrative now. This is the golden period of my life. My boys are old enough to not be stressful toddlers and preschoolers, but not too old to be stressful teenagers. My parents are healthy. My body is healthy and still agile. My year will be divided into two sections. The first half of the year will really be soaking it in by enjoying our day-to-day life and making sure I have things to look forward to, like trips to our vacation house, camping trips, backyard movie nights, weekend adventures. I also want to have daily, weekly, and monthly rituals that ground me in the present moment and help me cultivate the sacredness of life. The second half of the year will be soaking it in by enjoying a hopefully a once in a lifetime trip together. I will want to make connections with new people like volunteering to help at the boys school and trying to meet as many families as I can. And we want to go on awesome adventures every single weekend and hopefully have get togethers with friends and travel all around whatever country we're in, hopefully New Zealand. It might not be able to be New New Zealand if it can't be New Zealand. Uh, then Australia, if it can't be Australia, then Hawaii uh, during longer breaks. And then professionally, I want to uh, be able to generate enough revenue to make Montessori for All a self-sustaining nonprofit organization. We have four key products that we're going to be trying to share with others. And I want to deepen my perspective on reimagining education by taking classes, reading books, and writing a book about education reform. I want to be more intentional about curating which book I'm reading. I always want to have a nonfiction and a fiction book going, and I'll start using my allowance on books as needed because sometimes I just, I mean, I really just only get free books from the library, which does limit with the books I have access to. Uh, I want to regularly be enrolled in a self-development course, alternating between professional courses and personal courses. And I want to keep putting out content that helps bring more joy, purpose, and community into the world, like Feeding the Soil blog, Feeding the Soil Weekly Newsletter, my Menopause Revealed newsletter, and this podcast. Um, And I also want to write a book about menopause, and I want to go on a self-retreat so I can knock it out in a single weekend maybe. To truly soak it in, I need to continue to process my trauma capsule and fill my bucket so I can be present in the moment with an open heart and a capacity for connectedness. That is so much. I love, and I love, again, I just feel like you're so masterful at this. I think I felt this way um, on the episode that we had about sort of like our parenting manifestos, but the ability to like weave together the actionable stuff and the sort of like values that undergird, like the or the orientation of the values that undergird um, the actions is you're so good at that. So I really appreciate that. And like, as I was just like listening, I'm like, you're writing books, you're like engaging in all these development things, you're continuing a trauma healing journey, you're traveling the world like it's really exciting you have a lot to look forward to that's the cold down version the original list was much longer <laughs> i can't i can't imagine <laughs> and now you're also going to do your house the 30-day purge 31-day purge my 31-day purge i know i know 
All right. Well, how did you think about your year in terms of doing versus being, Catherine? We've talked a little bit about this, but is there anything else you want to add related to this? Yeah. So James Clear, who I've mentioned before, he wrote the book Atomic Habits, which has been a big, powerful book for me, um, talks about identity-based habits versus performance or appearance-based habits. And so like an example that he gives in the books is he talks about someone who's trying to quit smoking and an identity-based habit would be like if they're offered a cigarette and they say, I'm not a smoker versus saying, I'm trying to quit because that's more of like a performance of what you're doing type of habit. And so I think when I first encountered her work, like I thought I knew what this meant. But until the last couple of years of like fully processing, I don't know, hopefully fully processing, I feel like I've almost had like a midlife crisis in the last couple of years. And now I'm kind of on the other side of it. But have like having like really gone back and like dealt with my childhood trauma and like become more grounded in who I am on my own terms. Now I know what my I'm learning what my identity actually is as a whole person. Um, And so I can therefore make habits out of that identity. So I think that's kind of the shift that you're like literally seeing listeners in live time on the process in the in the podcast is I used to have more performance based habits. And then last year, it was more like identity based, but then I didn't have like, the rituals and routines and systems in place to like support the identity that I wanted. And so now it feels like going all the way through of having the identity piece, and then the like more actionable, measurable parts of the identity, all linked together, if that makes any sense. But that's where I feel like I am. That's really interesting. It's been cool to be on this journey alongside you this past year. Thanks. So how about you? Is there anything else you want to say in terms of the the doing versus being and where you are with that? I tend to be much more oriented toward the doing than the being, but I try to cut myself some slack about it because I feel like the things I put on my doing list end up helping me embody who I want to be as a person. So like I value authenticity and joy and connection and a commitment to justice. And I feel like those values show up in the things that I put in my doing column. But I'm also trying to be more intentional about focusing on the being because I know that the doing like is connected to my past trauma. It's connected to never knowing my father and like having this hole in my heart of not feeling worthy. Um, I just as a, as a side note, I was listening to another blog or another podcast and I, I won't um, shout out this person because of what I'm about to say, but basically it's this person is like la creme de la creme of like doer, high achiever, always like coming up with systems and hacks to be more efficient, to be more effective, like, you know, very in line with kind of how we approach the world in a lot of ways. And and I recently heard her say that like she didn't know her dad either. And I was like, this light bulb went off and I was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, she's got like a daddy hole in her heart that she's trying to fill. Um, so I'm still working working through that and and trying to separate out like when it is connected to that versus when it just literally is who I am and what brings me joy. I like having a long list of things that I'm excited about and energized about. And so that, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Um, I did go back to my narrative after 
I had drafted it and then tried to like add in some explicit messaging about the being part and not just the doing part, but it really was kind of an afterthought for me because it's not my natural orientation. Mm, That's really interesting. I heard on a podcast recently that the inability to be present in the moment is a trauma response. And I was like, Mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, Um, that just like really resonated with me. And it kind of reminds me of what you're saying. But then I think also like the things that we learn to do instead are like great and can be great skills that we can use in the world. So then it's kind of a matter of like, how do you kind of integrate that on the other side of some of the trauma healing work? So I love that you're that you're grappling with that. Yeah, you made you made me think of a quote that I have wanted to share with you, Catherine. Control is a tough mistress. Better to lose her and find your sense of abandon and joy instead. And it just made me really think about conversations that you and I have had when I said I'm trying to embrace the chaos and still struggling with that. Um, but I, I don't, I don't feel. I totally agree that that not being present is a trauma response. And and while I agree with that, I also think that I. I do, I do immerse myself in the present. As much as I like planning and thinking ahead and looking forward to things, I think, I think that I'm also, also doing a good job of being in the present. It's not always fun because my kids like to play very boring things, but I'm kind of there. I'm there with them in the boredom. That makes sense. That quote makes that quote is really good. Now for our last question: What are some of the practices or habits you are putting into place? to ensure you end 2022 where you want to be, Catherine? So first, I'm using a new planner. I've picked up the Sacred Ordinary Days planner, and they have a version that has space. I was really looking for something where I could write, like had a space for daily notes where Cultivate What Matters didn't have that. And so I'm really excited about about this new space. It's also like really focused on like sacredness and Sabbath. And so I love that I have, it also has like a whole page every Sunday to be able to do some like week ahead reflections and planning. And that Sabbath element, as I talked about last episode is so important to me now. So I'm really excited about this new tool. And then a second thing is I'm planning to just continue to engage in sort of like the classes and having people around me to support the areas where I want to grow. I feel like, you know, those paid professionals, so important, some friends, some retreats, conferences, both work and personal, the spiritual direction certification program I'm doing, all of that I think is going to really just continue to sort of support the being and the doing parts of what I want 2022 to look like. Yeah, I, I feel like especially coming out of COVID, it's just like I find myself really craving those in-person learning experiences. Um, so what about you, Sarah? What are two habits or practices that you're putting in place? I'm also trying out a new planner. It's kind of a theme on our podcast. Um, I was really looking for something that would enable me to do what my Reiki healer challenges me to do, which is to name the top five things that happen to me every single day so that when I'm having ups and downs that I can like really stay grounded in the the light spots of my day. So I want to do that. And then also in our podcast about, you know, what do you want to be able to say about your life when you're 80 years old? 
I had shared like these five questions of like, am I getting enough sunshine every day? Am I, do my kids feel loved? Does my partner feel loved? Like, am I taking care of myself? Am I finding joy? And so I just have like a tiny little tracker focused on those five things. And I don't have to do it every day, but just enough to keep myself focusing on those questions. Um, And then I needed to have like blank pages. I wanted to combine like my journal, not my journal, sorry, because I do like my diary journaling in like on the computer because I just type so much faster than I write. But I like to have notebook pages just to to capture quotes or thoughts or notes um, as they're occurring to me during the day. So I kind of wanted to combine my planner with that. So it was a lot kind of going into this one thing. But now I have this place to keep track of of everything that matters to me that I want to keep at the forefront and it was really hard because I thought that there were planners that were either like way too much like you need to track like are you breathing are you pooping are you talking are you blinking like it was so overwhelming or it was like no structure so I kind of had to find an in-between situation and kind of had to kind of have to kind of make my own up as I go along and then my other strategy is to continue I have, I have a weekly meeting with myself and a monthly meeting with myself where I really am um, and I have a, like an agenda for those meetings that I go through every single time so I'm not rethinking it every time. Um, but that is what keeps me like recentered on my goals and my intentions because I, I feel like, you know, most Americans do not follow through with their New Year's resolutions, and I, I don't want to be part of the set it and forget it crowd. Um, I really want this to be a living and breathing document, and that means, like, changing things as they come along, too. Like, there there may be one of these goals or intentions that doesn't resonate with me in two months, and I don't want to be afraid of, of taking it off at that point. Or, uh, I mean, it's just so important to name that, like, so much is out of our controls. Like, something catastrophic could happen and then like all these goals are going to go out the window and like a new set of intentions is going to come into into play um so having that recurring time with myself on a weekly and monthly basis helps me keep this uh, as a living and breathing document yeah absolutely i think it'd be really interesting to maybe do a whole episode sometime on our monthly and weekly check-in processes um, so I'm going to refrain from asking all the questions I have about that right now. But on the planner, like, is there a planner that you had used for like a, a period of time before you came up with this change this year? I have been using an electronic version of, of I've been using OneNote and I came up with my own template within OneNote and have these different sections for my monthly goals, my weekly goals, my yearly goals, and sort of like what I was tracking on a weekly basis, but I've really been craving getting back into paper. So I haven't used a paper planner in many, many, many years. Uh, That's really interesting because I don't know if you remember last year at the beginning of the year, I tried to go virtual and like I set up a Google Docs version of my Cultivate What Matters planner, but I found it really because I thought I could do it easily from my phone or from the computer, but I really, like it didn't work. I ended up using paper again. So I think that transition between journaling, like, because I also type a lot faster and so I journal on my computer, but there are just some things that it feels like really nice to sit down with like a really sharp pencil or like a really nice pen and like do the goal planning. So it's interesting. We'll have to keep keep in touch about that. What is virtual versus what is, or what is digital versus what is paper. 
Yeah. And it's just one of those things that like it changes depending on your season of life too. And it's hard to keep track of like all the things that need to be updated constantly, like our children's closets and their toys and our planners. And like, but it's just true because like just depending on where you are and what matters and what is feeling right to you, you have to make adjustments to to match it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for today's topic. Listeners, we would truly love to hear how you are thinking about 2022. Please send us an email or comment on one of our Instagram posts. We're always inspired by hearing about how others are being intentional about their lives. Now it's time for our tips and tricks segment. Catherine, what do you want to share? So I want to share a set of children's books that we came across recently. It's called The Story Orchestra, and they're like classic plays or I don't, I don't even know what all of them are. I think there are like eight or ten of these different books. And like we have – the ones we have are The Carnival of Animals and Swan Lake. And so it's like classical music, but they – it's like told as a children's story. And then there are buttons inside the book to be able to hear some of the songs. And so it's like a much more – like my kids still like love a button book. Like if we go to a used bookstore, they want to buy a book that has buttons that are like for toddlers. But this is like – an elementary age appropriate version of that. That's like exposure to classical music and the stories are told in a like way that they can understand it. And um, the music is like, you know, from, from a book, but it's beautiful. So I would, we've been loving these, these books and I would recommend that for other people with elementary aged kids. I love that. Thank you. I haven't heard of those. What about you, Sarah? What tip or trick do you want to share? I want to share someone else's tip, which I find very helpful. This tip comes from Kelsey at the Girl Next Door podcast. She shared this idea of writing an email to reflect on the season at the end of the holidays and then scheduling it to send to herself like closer to the next year's holidays using the schedule ahead feature in our email inboxes. And I just love that idea because I love like not having to keep it in in a journal or in a notebook, but like literally just having it pop up and appear um, in my inbox. So I'm going to try that out this year. I'm looking forward to it. I love that idea too. Thanks for sharing that. Now let's close out our episode with Facing Forward. Catherine, how did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks? And what new intentions do you want to set for yourself for the next two weeks? So I've made progress on the pod yearbook and on scheduling a haircut. So we're working on that. Um, And then in the next two weeks, I'm totally off the next week. And so I'm really just wanting to enjoy that time. I also have a paper to write for my spiritual direction program. Um, and then I'm also planning like another part of the more tangible part of our goal setting process this year is I want to have this like list of what the holidays are and how we're celebrating them, like printed out and on the fridge by the time I talk to you next. So, um, with the dates. So those are, those are kind of going to be the things I'm working on. What about you, Sarah? I love that. What about you, Sarah? I wanted to truly immerse myself in our vacation, which I feel we're just in the middle of it, and I feel like I am. Um, I said I had also wanted to start working on our short-term, our next short-term rental opportunity. That was going to be one of my goals for 2022. I'm not sure that that's going to be able to come to fruition, just because I don't think we're going to have enough money to pay off 
our the debt from furnishing the last one. So that's still sort of up in the air. And then I'm, I need to get my planner completely ready for next year, which I haven't done yet, but I will do that. Um, I'm working in the next two weeks on doing a cash out refinance of one of our houses so that we can try to pay off the debt that we incurred from our last short-term rental. It's just really a lot to have a credit card debt with so much, uh, so high, such a high interest rate. Um, we have a cabinet situation that we need to fix at our rental house. And then I'm looking into some backyard improvements at our current house. So kind of busy, kind of not very fun stuff, but it will feel good to kind of cross those off the list as we go into the year. Yep. That makes sense. Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com or you can find me, Sarah, on my blog at feedingthesoil.com. You can also find us on Instagram at So Connected Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful for your review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. See you in two weeks. Wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and